Hello, folks. Before we get to the podcast, before we get to Jimmy Corderas, I just want to sit down and chat with you for just a second. Uh, those who know, know. Those who don't will know in just a few minutes that before I was a podcaster, before I was a ring announcer, before I was an actor, before I did all these extracurricular things, I went to college to be a writer. Writing has been a passion of mine since I was quite, quite young. And uh, unfortunately, I don't get the opportunity to do it near as much as I would like. However, recently, the urge, the desire, the craving overcame me, and I wanted to do some writing. And I have been lucky enough to been to have been published on ComedyTribune.com. Uh, of course, I encourage everybody to go over to ComedyTribune.com. Nikki Payne, who was a guest on this podcast several weeks ago, she's, uh, she's on there. John Wing, he's on there. Kenny Robinson, he's on there. Uh, any fan of comedy might see a, a pattern here. The, co- uh, the content or the genre of this website, it's all stand-up comedy-based. And uh, there's a lot of great writers on there, more, much more than what I just mentioned. But there's a lot of great work on there. And, uh, of course, I encourage everybody. I know it's not wrestling genre, but uh, go check out ComedyTribune.com. Check out my work. Check out all the great work on there. It's kind of like uh, when you, you're really good at basketball and you haven't done it for a while. You get on the court and you, you, you sink a few and you're like, hey, I can still do this. It's, uh, it's kind of nice when, uh, when I can sit down, get behind a keyboard, do some writing. And uh, it's, it's quite the affirmation when uh, I can still get published, when I can still just kind of pull it out and, and still do it. So uh, please get over to ComedyTribune.com and uh, check out all the great work over there. You ready to start the podcast? Hi, folks. Welcome to Who Booked This Podcast. We have everything literary within the world of wrestling. This is the crown jewel of wrestling dedicated to women's wrestling all over this great earth. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Hi, folks. My name is Matthew Terry, and I am the host of It's Time to Fight podcast, which is the exact reason why you hear my voice right now, because this is the It's Time to Fight podcast. Thank you so much for clicking on that play button. I appreciate every single click that that play button gets, and we have a lot of play buttons that you can push. We are on Podbean. We are on Spotify. We are on iTunes. But most of all, we are on timetofight.ca. You can go to timetofight.ca and you can check out every single episode of this incarnation of It's Time to Fight. People are still asking, what does that mean? What does this incarnation? It means that I used to work for a company called Droids Canada. I no longer work for Droids Canada. I did It's Time to Fight with Droids Canada. And uh, we, we parted ways and I started up on my own. So I don't have access to their content. So this is my content. So these are all the interviews from this incarnation 
of It's Time to Fight podcast, and that includes Angelina Love. That includes Matthew Grant. That includes Congo Kong. That includes RJ City. That includes Al Snow twice. That includes many, many, many others. Dasher Hatfield last week. Thanks again to Dasher Hatfield for being on the show. Uh, that that just uh, a lot. I think this is episode. Yeah, we're episode twenty. I just looked down at the sheet. We're at on episode twenty. Uh, so there are nineteen other episodes other than Jimmy Cordera's today that you can go back and listen to. Uh, so we encourage you to go to timetofight.ca to check out all the great podcasts and all the great videos. We have uh, videos up from Moonshine Brand Wrestling, which is the company that I tried very hard to run. Regardless, this isn't a sobby or a, a, a sad podcast. Anyway, you can go over there. You can listen to the podcast. You can watch the videos. And I hope you enjoy every single thing over there on timetofight.ca. Last week, I uh, I conducted a bit of a social experiment. I emphasize I because uh, I kind of I didn't get I didn't get in trouble for the actual content. I got in trouble because I did it without giving anyone a heads up first, and um, we're not supposed to do that around here. We're supposed to uh, to let everybody know if we're going to do something. Not so much like we have free reign around here to do or to post what we want. But it's just give everybody else a heads up that this is what you're doing so that if they do something, it's not kind of overlapping or, you know, intruding on what they're doing. So last week I, uh, I did a social experiment and the social experiment came from a conversation that we were having here about Darren Young, who we're trying to get on the show. And uh, we were talking about how when he came out as gay, it was a thing. But now... Uh, mainstream wrestlers are feeling more comfortable to to come out with their sexuality. And from there, we talked about, uh, you know, the, the different people around wrestling, you know, gay, uh, tra- uh, gay, lesbian, transgender, just all these great things that are happening in wrestling in that community. And the conversation turned to how, how the, f- there's, there's no real, and we kind of did a little research on it. There's no real um, uh, like documentation, I guess, or timeline, or not timeline. I can't think of the word I'm trying to use, but there's no real show of how the fans have really reacted. And someone said, well, how about we do, um, how about we do a poll? Are you okay, or do you feel comfortable knowing that wrestlers are gay or lesbian or transgender or or anything of that nature. And I was somewhat okay with that, um, only because I agreed with uh, the young man who does our editing. And he's very, 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 we have to be careful what we say. We have to be very careful what we do. Um, and w- so he, he was kind of, he was upset because, you know, I put something out there before he could really, he was okay with what I did. Um, he just wanted to know, but, um, he, he's very, cause he doesn't want people to think that, well, we're not okay with it. Are you actually okay with this? And he didn't want people to, to translate that question into that. So I went ahead and I, uh, I put out a, a, uh, uh, a follow, what, what, what are these things? These follow me or uh wrestling community, follow trains or 
or things like this where you, you, you get uh, you, you get followers and you know people read them and they, they kind of give their opinion and uh, w- what I did put out was uh, a question that I may not be gay or it was more of a statement and then you had to, to, to answer it um, I may not be gay but if I was I'd be all over this wrestler and I myself posted Velveteen Dream and it's true Velveteen Dream is a very attractive man. He's a very charismatic man. The man can move his freaking hips. Um, and I, I have no problem in saying that if that was my lifestyle, I would be I'd be all over Velveteen Dream. I would, yeah, I'd be dreaming of that man. That that would be the Velveteen Dream. Um, but it's it's not my lifestyle. <laughs> Um, as, as confident as I am to say like, yeah, I'd be all over Velveteen Dream. It's just not my lifestyle. But if anyone gets me close, it's Velveteen Dream. Um, and I just kind of did it as a social experiment to see what, uh, the, re- the reaction would be. And at the end of the day, um, oh, I don't have written. I thought I had written in front of me. Um, I remember that there was two responses, neither of which were really answering the question. One of them was like, well, I'm not gay, but, uh, uh, but I, and it was a woman saying, but I, I'd be all over Finn Balor. Well, okay. Like that, but that doesn't answer the question. <laughs> and, um, they, they just only two people answered. And I think there was only six likes of the Twitter of the tweet of the Twitter. Um, uh, I'm sure more people than six like Twitter. Um, but yeah, there was only like six people who liked the tweet and, Okay, we're not the most popular podcast in the world, but we usually do a hell of a lot better than six. Um, so yeah, I was a little disappointed. I'm I'm gonna be totally honest with you. Uh, the the reason I'm talking about it here on the podcast is number one, uh, people messaged me and said, you know, what's what 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 do you what's the question for? Like, why? That's kind of weird. That's kind of an odd question. Um, which it was meant to be an odd question because we don't a- we don't ask normal questions here on the podcast. Um. But yeah, I, I, it was a bit of a social experiment, and uh, I don't know if it's just our fan base or our followers, but I really thought uh, a heck of a lot more would uh, would would get involved and would answer it, and uh, you know read read into the results as you will. I am not here to judge. I am not here to analyze. I am just here to give you the information, and uh, all of you can read into it what you will. If you're watching this on August 9th, 2019, then join us tonight for uh, Ring of Honor's uh, Summer Supercard. Join us on Twitter. Uh, you, you can't actually go to our website. Don't, don't, don't get us in trouble. You can't go to our website and watch the, the stream or anything like that. Please do not do that. Or don't tell people. Yeah, you can go over to timetofight.com or .ca. Why do I keep messing that up? Uh, go over to timetofight.ca and uh, and you can watch the ROH pay-per-view. No, you cannot. No, no, no. You cannot watch the ROH pay-per-view on our website. Please do not get us in trouble. Especially since Ring of Honor is one of our, one of, if not our absolute favorite promotion, uh, mainstream promotion. Chikara and Ring of Honor, they're, they're just neck and neck. And uh, more than WWE, more than AEW, more than Impact, although Impact is definitely making uh, huge strides. Impact is, I would say right now, my number three. 
it is definitely my number three promotion after Ring of Honor and uh, and Chikara. And um, but tonight the uh, the Ring of Honor show, uh, Matt Taven defends against Alex Shelley. Uh, if I if I haven't said it before, uh, years ago, and I'm not trying to uh, I'm not trying to age Alex Shelley, but years ago when I first got into wrestling with Universal Wrestling Alliance in Ottawa, we brought in Alex Shelley, and I will openly admit I was not familiar with Alex Shelley at all, and when I saw him, just just awe-inspiring. Um, when you see a wrestler, like, I, I remember when I first saw Hulk Hogan, just larger than life and the amazing things that this guy could do, and then the Ultimate Warrior, how strong this guy was, and I saw Andre the Giant and how amazingly huge he was. And then there was kind of like this 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 gray area where, you know, I didn't really see a lot of stuff that made me go, wow. And then I saw Rey Mysterio, and that made me go, wow. And then, there again, there was another area there where just, you know, nothing was making me say, wow. I'll, when I saw Alex Shelley for the very first time, I went, wow. Just the amazing things that he was doing and just the way that he conducted himself in the ring and the way he did things. Um you know, I, I came to find out later that a lot of the things that he um, that he utilizes came from uh, the more United Kingdom-based uh, wrestling, but I, I had never seen it before. And to this day, Alex Shelley is still um, he is still the king as far as uh, that genre of wrestling. Um, as well, the Gorillas of Destiny versus the Briscoes for the Ring of Honor World Tag Team Championship. Uh, Kelly Klein versus Tasha Steele for the Ring of Honor Women's uh, Ring of Honor Women of Honor World Championship. Um, Shane Taylor versus Tracy Williams for the uh, uh, Television Championship. CMML they uh, they're providing a match. Roosh is on there. Dalton Castle, uh, Jonathan or uh, Jonathan Gresham, Jay Lethal versus Bandito and Mark Haskins. TK O'Ryan and Vinny Marseglia, uh, one of our absolute favorites here. Vinny Marseglia, Marseglia uh, he's one of our favorites, but I still can't say his damn name. Uh, versus Brody King and PCO, PG Black, or PJ Black versus Silas Young. So, amazing card tonight for Ring of Honor, uh, Summer Supercard. We wish we were going to be there live, but we are going to be watching live, and we're going to be tweeting live at Time to Fight Pod. So, join us tonight for uh, for, for some uh, live tweeting and uh, live interaction. So, last week, I sent out, um, well, I sent out a few interesting tweets. Uh, but another tweet I sent out, or one of the tweets I sent out, was about free advertising. And you might notice that in between segments here on the podcast, there's a ring bell. And the ring bell's fine. It's, 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 you know, there's nothing wrong with the ring bell. Except the people, t- people told me, people have actually told me, well, you got that from what culture? And I asked, like, well, do you mean the gimmick or the, the actual bell? And they mean the actual bell. And, because they don't care like it's a if I took the gimmick from what culture wrestling, um, but it's not the actual bell from what culture. At least I don't think so. I just downloaded Ring Bell and that's what came. So maybe what culture downloaded the same goddamn Ring Bell? Anyway, I digress. Um, anyway, one of the uh, one of the things I put it was for free advertising and the the Ring Bell that, that separates the segments here. What I wanted to do or what I tried to do was I sent out. Uh, a request to any wrestling podcast, any wrestling podcast, to make a two-minute commercial 
and I would throw it up here on the podcast. And just I I didn't even get one response, not one single response to hey, this is free advertising. And I'm not trying to I'm not trying to uh I'm not trying to take these commercials and make fun of them. I'm not trying to take these commercials and twist it in some way. I'm not trying to turn it into a segment. I I am a huge, 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 can't say it enough. I'm a huge fan of wrestling podcasts. And I want I want the community to grow. The wrestling podcast community. I want it to grow. And you know, maybe there's people that listen to my podcast that think, hey, I haven't heard of that one. I'll go check it out. And they get more. I'm not even asking them to advertise mine. I just, I'm getting a little sick of the ring bell. And I just want something to put in between these segments. And I even sent out emails. I found emails to go to these podcasts. I sent them, hey, I'm, I'm legit. I legit want to just give you free advertising. Maybe it'll get you one or two more listeners. Here, take it. One person did not answer me. One person said, sorry, not interested. And that's it. Sorry, not interested. Just one line, sorry, not interested. And that 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 amazes me. Free advertising. And wrestling podcasts just, or the wrestling podcasts that I contacted, just nothing. And all the wrestling podcasts that I have on Twitter, nothing. And that just amazes me. And and I, I don't know why. I'll let I'll let I'll let you guys, you know, judge for yourself or decide for yourself what the heck that's supposed to mean. I'll still use the ring bell. But yeah, I was I was really hoping that you know maybe they just don't want to help my, my podcast sound better. They don't want to get they don't want to help me get rid of this annoying ring bell. Jimmy Corderas and I met each other uh, a few times over the years, and um, I've, w- I've been ring announcing. He's been refereeing, so we've shared a ring a few times. And uh, we talked about during the podcast that uh, he couldn't quite place me. I am not as mainstream as Jimmy Corderas. That is not me being self-deprecating. That's just the truth, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with not being as mainstream as Jimmy Corderas because someday I will be as mainstream as Jimmy Corderas. Uh, all joking aside, Jimmy Corderas is one of the uh, one of the most highly regarded referees uh, around, not just not just Ontario, not just Canada, but uh, worldwide thanks to uh, WWE. Uh, I've, I've been in my share of locker rooms, obviously, and so many great things. Uh, can be said, have been said, will be said about Jimmy Corderas. And even though him and I were not uh, were not best friends before the before the interview, we're not best friends now. But we know each other a hell of a lot better than we did before we recorded it. I hope you enjoy this my chat with Jimmy Corderas. Hello, hello, Mr. Corderas. Hi, Jimmy. Please. Oh, Jimmy, Jimmy. I'm sorry. Hi, Jimmy. <laughs> How are you, man? I'm doing very well. Uh, how are you doing? I'm I'm all right. I'm all right. I, just question for you: Have we have we like met before? Um, okay, you want to get into this right away? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just curious because I, I my brain doesn't function sometimes, and I'm like, I know I've probably run into you somewhere before. Um, I um okay. 
probably the the best like you and I have crossed paths many times just mm-hmm. like kind of you know two ships crossing in the in the in the night or something like that um mm-hmm. however uh you and I I was the ring announcer for the House of Hardcore show that was in Niagara Falls Oh my god Jesus like I'm cuz cuz as we were chatting I'm looking I'm going you know, I, I'm sorry. I just, I'm like, I know this guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I'm like, I, I, and I hate that I more often recently, and I hate, uh, and I'm, my wife's actually concerned about it, that I'm free, just not remembering more. <laughs> no, 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 no. And like, and people do that all the time, like, especially when I ask them to do the podcast, is they'll check my Facebook page or my Twitter or whatever. Or like, you know, the website for the web or for the podcast. And they'll be like, you know, do I know this guy? Have I because I'll say like, oh, well, you know, you and you and I have crossed paths before. And they're like looking like, oh, where have I met this guy? Where have I met this guy? Where have I met this guy? And and a lot of people do that. Um, And as I said, like, okay, you want to bring this up now? I was going to realize this is all in jest at the House of Hardcore show. I got there and I think you just thought I was a fan and I walked up and I'm like, Hey Jimmy, it's nice to see you again. And you kind of just nodded me off. <laughs> and oh I, I, and I just kind of just like, Oh, okay. You know, like no, no problem. Like, and then, then you just kind of like turned and walked away. And I didn't, as I said, I bring it up in jest. <laughs> oh my goodness. I'm sure you just had something to go do. <laughs> I did that or my mind was elsewhere or something like that. Cause usually that's usually not my MO. Yeah. Again, not a big deal. I thought I'd bring it up as a joke, but I do have to tell you something. <laughs> something else that's funny. Um, and it just happened like 20 minutes ago. I dropped my son off to daycare. And right. usually, like, I'll drop my son off at like 1130. And then, like, you know, I'll play around with him for a little bit and, you know, kind of transition into daycare. And I'll leave daycare, get home. I'll, I got like, and especially like if I schedule one of these things for like noon. I get home like about quarter two. I got some time to, to, to set up. So this morning I take him to daycare. He's being cooperative. Great. We're making amazing time. I play with him a little bit. And as I'm leaving, you know, the teacher is kind of like, so you, you know, we're going to the splash pad on this date and this date. I'm like, okay, they, you know, that's cool. And he's like, so he's going to need, you know, it says sunscreen and he's going to need his bathing suit. And I'm like, all right, that's cool. And, and maybe like a change of, yeah, that's wonderful. And also we're going to be doing a teddy bear picnic. And I'm just, I'm like, you know, looking at my watch, just like, you know, I'm trying to make good time here. <laughs> and finally I said like, listen, I'm not trying to be rude. And like, I, this is one of the student teachers and I'm like, so I don't really know her. And I said, I'm not trying to be rude. I said, but I have to go do an interview for a podcast. And she's like, oh, you're going to be on a podcast? And I said, well, I have a podcast. I have a wrestling podcast. And she's like, you do? That's so cool. And I'm like, thank you. And she goes, who are you talking to? And I said, oh, Jimmy Corderas. And she's like, the referee? And I'm just like, yes, the referee. And she's like, oh, my God, that's so amazing. I'm like, yeah. And she's like, so have, have do you know? And I'm like, okay, did, did you forget the beginning of the conversation? I got to go. Like, <laughs> So now tomorrow I got to drop my son off at daycare and she's probably going to ask, you know, how my conversation with Jimmy Corderas went. Oh, well, well that's good, I hope. <laughs> no, 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 that's great because tomorrow I don't have anything scheduled. So she can ask me all the questions she wants tomorrow. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. awesome. So I'm just surprised that, uh, uh, you know, that uh, someone in daycare uh, would uh, actually know who I am. <laughs> well, apparently she's a wrestling fan. I like, as I said, she's a student. I just met her two weeks ago, like whenever the summer schedule started. 
So right. I haven't got to know her. But, yeah, apparently she's a huge wrestling fan. She always, she's always watching Raw, always watching SmackDown. You know, she watches you and Santino and all that on the on the, on the TV. And, you know, nice. so, yeah, so she knew exactly who you were. <laughs> oh, awesome. So, now. I, I <laughs> oh, I will. <laughs> um, I decided when I got when I did get home, like I was a little short for time, but I wanted to kind of binge on the ref and rants. Um, okay. And you introduce yourself as sports former sports entertainment ref, and I know that some people are probably going to ask why you don't say former wrestling ref. Uh, yeah. Do, do you want to do that now, or do you want to do it on the podcast? Oh, we're on the podcast, dude. Oh, we're on now? Oh, yeah. I've been going since you answered. Okay. Okay. Uh, (laughs) First of all, uh, the wrestling rants, I'm going to give full credit where credit is due. Uh, That was, believe it or not, my wife's idea to try and just go out there and have fun with something and get it out there and and try to be interactive and that sort of stuff. And and I thought, okay, how how do we make this fun as opposed to, you know, uh, some guy out there just just pissing and moaning, and you know what I mean. Yes. This I, I want to make it fun, and I, and I try to make it topical with what's going on, you know, currently, and not just WWE. Who again, I am a wrestling. I try to be contrary to popular opinion. To their product, I enjoy their products. Yes. And there's stuff I enjoy and there's stuff I don't. So I figured she figured, why not put it out there and on a daily basis, pick a different topic and stuff. And I said, well, I want to make it fun. And I know that uh, I pick, especially on uh, social media, I pick up the, the segment of the audience I like to refer to as the enlightened. Yes. I'm a big fan of the, the words, you know, smart or smart mark or whatever. It's like, okay, those, we don't need to go down that road. So, how could we, how could I refer to him in a different light? So I refer to him as the enlightened, and uh, you know they seem to have a problem with the term sports entertainment as opposed to pro wrestling. And I'm like, to me, it's no big deal. It's pro wrestling. Pro wrestling is sports entertainment. It's interchangeable. It's the same thing yes. to me. It doesn't make a difference. So I figure, um, let's. It started with the first one, and I just said, you know what? That's going to be how I'm going to intro myself from now on. And and let's see if people, you know, kind of get perturbed about it. But it's 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 more it's it's more a stab at those who who find a problem with that terminology. That's all. And and I did I did catch the ref and rant where you were talking about they are interchangeable. Just if you like it, you like it. If you don't, you don't. Doesn't matter if you're calling it smuckers or you're calling it you know you know grandma's jam or whatever it's it's yeah yeah, if you like it you like it exactly if you're a fan enjoy it does it really matter like if they called pro hockey that puck game or something like that you know like i like hockey i don't care what you call it you know yeah now referees have always 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 fascinated me and i've been lucky enough to to be in wrestling now for 15 years in different capacities and I've actually done some refereeing now against, or I don't want to say it. Well, there was a couple against my wills. I don't, I don't feel I do refereeing justice. Like I, the times that I've refereed, it's been kind of like a, 
you know, last or like last resort type thing. Like, okay, you know, Matt can ref. Um, but what I've noticed is over the years is there's no real set direction for referees to get into wrestling. And as much as on the podcast, I try to avoid the stereotypical, oh, how'd you get started? And how'd you referees fascinate me? So how was your start and how was your progression? Mine was a little probably not unusual for its time because it was probably around 1986. Uh, yes, carbon dating myself. That, um, that it was Pat Patterson who suggested to Jack Tunney at the time. He said, you know, I was doing the ring crew and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, I'd set up the ring and I'd just be floating around doing whatever needs to be done kind of thing, you know, like running errands, uh, you know, getting coffee or whatever you want to call it, right? And Pat just said, you know, we got the kid. He's here. He's really uh, – let's let's use him. Maybe we can make him a referee. So that's that got the ball rolling. And then Pat just said, you know, get yourself some uh, black pants, black sneakers, a, uh, a powder blue shirt, and a bow, black bow tie, and keep it with you and get ready. And uh, it wasn't like they said, okay, we're going to train you and we're going to show you how to do all this stuff. I, I, I uh, naively thought that somebody was going to actually come to me and – and help me out. Um, but then one day, Chief J. Strongbow just said to me, uh, hey, you got your ref gear with you? And I said, yeah. He says, put it on, you're refing tonight. And I wanted to say, but I have not been trained, but at the same time, I'm not going to refuse this opportunity. You know what I mean? Oh, no, no, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I just said, okay. <laughs> and then he gave me the match. It was S.T. Jones against uh, the Red Demon, Jose Luis Rivera. And... Thankfully, uh, I went to SD, who was a good friend, and I just said, you know, I'm refing a match tonight. And he said, great. I said, I have not refed before. I do. He said, just listen to me, follow follow what I tell you to do, and you'll be fine. And I got through it. I don't know about fine, but I got through it, and thanks to SD. And after that, it was like, you know, Timmy White and uh, all the other guys, the older guys now – we're offering advice. Okay, you know, here we go when you're in this situation and stuff like that. So that got the ball rolling. But uh, it wasn't like like it is today where you can go down to the performance center and they could train you. You know, it, it was it was much different back then. Now that that's kind of how I happened into it was as I said, like it was like a like I have minimal training. I I started training, uh, doing a little bit of training down in Ottawa, and you know, it just it. I've I've never been Mr. Athletic, so it just I I couldn't you know the the timing and everything I just couldn't do it. And luckily, and people say you know not a lot of people can do this, so I give myself a little pat on the back. Is I I came to the realization like okay I I this is not the area that I should get into or not not should, but I you know I don't want to get into because it just it wasn't happening. And that's how I kind of got into other stuff. So when it came to be refereeing. Like, yes, I had kind of a, an osmosis type, like I get it. And being a wrestling fan, like I kind of get it. But the hardest thing, as you said, was being in the ring and kind of positioning. And if someone's trying to tell me something, I'm not ex- like, I remember the first match I ever refed. One of the guys was trying to, to, to send a message to me, but mm-hmm. I thought he was trying to send a message to the other guy. So I wasn't right. really paying attention. I was just refereeing the match as I had seen for Lord only knows how many years of watching wrestling. And he's trying to tell me something. <laughs> I had no clue. 
I had absolutely no clue. <laughs> well, I know what you mean, because I've had guys actually, you know, like they're trying to communicate something. And this is obviously early in the career, but, and you're not cluing in that they're trying to tell you something. And he literally said, come here. I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh, you're talking to me. Yeah. And actually that happened not too long ago with me and Cody Diener, where he was telling me something and I just kept misunderstanding what he was trying to tell me. Uh-huh. Uh, like he, he was, I, I, I heard the words he was saying to me. But the words he was saying to me was just different. Th- like, I I translated them differently. And I started just doing something else. But he kept repeating it, what he was saying. Right. And I just kept going to do what I wanted to do. And finally, he just, yeah, he got frustrated. And he was just like, <laughs> come here. Like, and anyway. Yeah. But that's a, that's a whole other. But I, luckily, luckily, it was Cody, and he's a good dude. Uh, I would just... <laughs> It's, I guess it's kind of known, like in a little bit of circles. Him and I kind of had a little bit of problem with each other because of that incident, because he kind of he kind of called me out in front of the fans. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, it, but you know, that's all water under the bridge. So. Right. Um, but yet, so your progression, like you, you started refereeing, and like, did you ever, did you ever hit that moment where I hit with wrestling was just kind of like, ah, maybe I shouldn't do this. Um. You know what? I don't. I don't recall. It was always something that I wanted to. Um, you know, I loved it from day one. I got to tell you that. As 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 terrified as I was that first night, uh, you know, something clicked, and it's, it's, this is what I want to do. And I don't care how I'm going to get better at this, and I'm going to do the best I can. And just uh, like. From going from someone who was afraid to ask questions to all of a sudden being the guy that wouldn't stop asking questions, you know, like, okay, uh, what should I do here? When this happens, do, do I do this? How should I act? Where should I position myself? So I started now becoming maybe that annoying guy that asking too many questions, but I, I never felt that it wasn't for me. I always thought that I could be good at it. Um, and, you know, not to sound like I'm too much patting myself on the back. I thought, uh, I thought I was actually fairly good at it. That, and, and that was mainly because, uh, a, I put like 150% effort into it, wanted it to be, wanted to do well at it. And at the same time, uh, never settled. I was always my own worst critic at the same time. You know, I, you know, you get back from a match and somebody say, Hey, good job. And I, yeah, but I could have done that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Never, never satisfied with, uh, with myself. And, but there were a few times where, you know, I go back and see something and go, oh, you know, like that, that worked. Yeah. That, that was good, you know. But that didn't happen often enough, that's for sure. <laughs> for me, anyway. Well, and and I'm not blowing smoke up your ass, but again, I, I'm just thinking about it, like the, the daycare teacher, she knew exactly who you were. And yes, that might be from TV, but I think a lot of people knew you even before you were, you know, doing these these TV shows. And there's not a whole lot of referees that people know unless they've unless they've been focused on. Um and and mostly it's you know uh well, I shouldn't say mostly. But you know, the, the Dave Hebner or Earl Hebner, sorry. Actually, Dave Hebner was a referee too, wasn't he? Yeah, Dave. Yeah, the yeah, both of them. Yeah, exactly. So they were they were the twins. So like they were focused upon. Like people said, "Wait, the Hebners!" Like they were these twin referees. And of course, Earl Hebner was part of the the screw job. 
So maybe, yeah, we won't talk about that one. But again, it drew attention to him. And uh, someone, and I, I always say he was my referee because, you know, when I when I got into wrestling and I really started focusing on wrestling, Joey Morella was my referee. Mm-hmm. That was the referee that I always, hey, that's Joey Morella. Hey, that's Joey Morella. And of course, well, not of course, but it was the WrestleMania three where he counted Andre toppled over and one, two, three, and Jesse Ventura, that was three, that was three. No, and, and it's like, oh, Joey Morella's, you know, a crooked referee, and that drew my drew me to Joey Morella. Mm-hmm. So, but you, people know you, but I can't really think of an incident, or, or I shouldn't say incident, but a, a time when you were really the focus. And I, 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 I commend you for that, like for being a good referee, because people know you but no one was really focused on you ah, i appreciate that um, um yeah I, for me yeah, i'm always i've always been of the mindset that um referees shouldn't be a focal point of a storyline it's okay to reference them and to, to to maybe have a minor role in a storyline like like i go back to uh, i forget what year it was when they did the referee strike angle and you know I accidentally went to the spot to be a regular referee to cross the picket line and become a scab. Um, but that was like a, a two week thing, if you know what I mean. Like yes. it was, it was like a long drawn out whatever. And, and, and that happened just by fluke, actually, you know, it, it started as a joke backstage. It turned into a, to actually happening on television, but it wasn't a, a focal point to the story. It was just like a uh, an added little side story to the main story, if you know what I mean. So, yeah, I, I to me, referees shouldn't be a focal point. They're like they're like the supporting actors um, in a, in any form of entertainment who are helping the main characters tell their story. Basically, is is the way I describe it. Like you're 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 that uh, you're that actor where people go hey i know that guy from somewhere where do i know him from i've seen him before <laughs> you know that kind of thing as opposed to oh my goodness that's kurt angle you know what i mean yes now how much are referees there because like as i, as I said i've done a little bit of refereeing but it, obviously it's been like on a, on a lower scale but how much are the referees there to kind of keep the pace or to keep everything moving along in the in the right order or the right time? Yeah, it's it's very in, intricate there, especially in WWE, where um, you know television times are so hitting your times are so crucial and so important that uh, the referees are very um, very instrumental in in making sure that the talent get their time cues you know, accordingly and effectively hit their times. Because especially now, like when Raw had a little bit of flexibility at 11 at eleven p.m., where they ran over five minutes, seven minutes, whatever, sometimes 15 minutes on USA Network. I remember sometimes just going, oh, my goodness, this is going really long. Now it's a hard 11 o'clock. They got to end. SmackDown always had that, which was interesting, but – when SmackDown was taped, it wasn't as much of a crucial incident. Now that it's live, everything has to hit their time. So uh, that falls completely upon the referee to pass those times onto the talent. Then the talent have to hit those cues. Like you could, let's say, for example, um, 
you have one minute left before you go off the air, and these guys have a whole bunch of stuff planned that they didn't get to. Now, you know, it's up to them to get to the end without, you know, skipping a few steps, if that makes sense. But for them to realize that, it falls upon the referee to make sure that they understand that, hey, guys, you got a hard one minute, and that's it. Now, that kind of leads into, uh, like, I, I over the years, people have asked me questions about referees and, and things like that, and I have a, a few of them here for you. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get into one, because in that instance, obviously they would have to kind of switch things up. And somebody once asked me, um, you know, obviously if, if you're refereeing, like let's, uh, let's say a, an independent show, and you got eight matches, one referee has four, another referee has four, obviously you're trying to focus on those four. Um, have you ever, and if you have a story, by all means, throw it out there. Have you ever like gone to someone and said, okay, what am I looking for, for the finish? And they tell you, you walk away, they decide they're going to change things, not maliciously. They're just, Hey, Hey, I got a better idea. And you go out there and you kind of miss that. Like they haven't informed you this has changed. Have you ever, have you ever run into that? Cause I've run into that twice. <laughs> no, you know, honestly, uh... I've almost run into that. Like there have been times where I will be up at gorilla and they're ready to go out and they'll go, Oh, by the way, the finish is now this. And it's like you, you process it. By the time you walk down the ramp and get to the ring, it's processed, but I've never had it actually change, you know, without my knowledge before going to the ring. I've had, I've had before, um, finishes get messed up where they have to, you know, go to an alternate plan. But the, that's, you know, like, for example, like somebody not having their shoulder all the way down or somebody not kicking out in time, that kind of stuff that's happened actually quite often. But uh, I've never really gone to the ring without having an idea of what the finish is or have it altered on me. I, I, I'm not going to get too much into it, but I had one where they changed the finish. Not only the finish, they changed uh, who was over. So oh, to me, like, because whenever I referee, and I'll get into this a little bit more in a, in a couple minutes, was I'll go, I'll say, okay, what am I looking for for the finish? And then I don't want to know anything else because I want to go out there and just referee the match as if I'm just watching it. Mm-hmm. And when they changed this whole thing like i went out there and won to and i haven't at if your shoulders are down i'm going to count it if you know what ha- whatever i'm going to referee the match mm-hmm. and right. the, i remember i counted the three and i thought they had totally messed up except and then like because they hit the finisher and then i counted the guy down but he didn't move so now i'm thinking something's wrong with him because he's not moving at all <laughs> So now I'm just kind of like, and like, and that you notice because I was just like, "Oh, you okay, dude? You okay?" And he's just looking like, Mm -hmm. "Yeah, I'm fine." Like, (laughs) and now I'm sitting there like all confused, like, "Wait, did I did I totally mess that up? Like, what's (laughs) like, did I forget?" Anyway, Uh, I forget who it was. Yeah, no, I I had that happen to me one time where you know you know who the worst was that for that, Uh, uh, especially because they were such uh, high impact matches. Bubba, Ray, Bubba Dudley, uh, Bully Ray, um, you know, like we'd have our little ways of checking to see if guys are okay. As we call it the office where we squeeze the hand in a little bit. Right. Yep. And, and, you know, they'd have those, those 
TLC matches with Edge and Christian and stuff like that. And he'd be falling off a ladder from the ring through like four tables at ringside and stuff like that. And I'd go over and I'd check on him and he wouldn't respond. And I'm like panicking and I'm not, and and for me, it's like, is he just messing with me or is he not? And it's not that he wasn't, that he was messing with me. He just thought I'm selling right now. I know the camera is right on my face and right there. I'm not giving anybody any indication one way or the other. But at the same time, it's hard for me to tell whether he's doing that or whether he's really hurt. You know what I mean? I know obviously he's feeling it, but uh, anyway, I just thought I'd throw that out there. And and I find it funny that you say that because I remember uh, an interview that he did where he did these, uh, I think it was the one off the stage where he power bombs Mae Young. Yeah. And I, I I remember listening to an interview and he said that he did that. And it's funny that you say that because he said the, the, the two or three seconds that it took for her to squeeze his hand, he was in total fear. Like he was kind of nervous about it to do it to begin with. But he said, I right. hit it. And then he's like, the, that two or three seconds that it took her just to squeeze my hand, I was in absolute fear. So it's funny that you would say that, that he would, <laughs> that he would kind of like, oh, I'm not going to squeeze it quite yet. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it was, it was, it, it is a little bit scary, especially, you know, you see, you see, uh, you know, a bump that, that huge, you know, so, uh, it's, it's kind of like, uh, I remember back also to, um, the Money in the Bank match at WrestleMania 23 in Detroit, where, where Jeff did the, the leapfrog over the ladder in the ring onto Edge, who was prone on the ladder that went uh, from the barricade to the ring and they crashed through and the whole bit. Yep. And, uh, see, Edge is a little different. Like, I, I like I dove right in there and, you know, uh, kind of like just, I, I thought I'm going to talk to him as opposed to just squeeze his hand. I just leaned in and said, I said, uh, Edge, are you okay? And he was, he was in tons of pain and he just said, oh, yeah, just fine. You know, and I, but I knew, you know, anyways, again, just thought I'd throw that out there. <laughs> I, uh, I, well, actually, I wasn't refereeing. I was managing. I used to manage Abyss in a, in an indie fed and, uh, a one Alistair Ralves, um, hit me with a power bomb and I took it totally wrong. Completely mm-hmm. my fault. And I rolled out and, um, one of the the, the the guys outside who was a referee, but he wasn't a referee for that match. He came over because you could see like my head kind of bounced around. So he comes over and say, and he just, he got like right down there and he's like, Matt, are you okay? And I just kind of like rolled my head and just went, ow. Like, because, <laughs> like, oh man, I've never been in so much pain. No. Oh. So, people, people who have never taken a bump before, I think it's, uh, they all hurt. You feel all of them. It's just a, it's varying degrees, that's all. Now, that kind of leads into, and um, it wasn't that long ago. I was sitting at a, in, a, in a show down in the locker room, and there's this kind of group that I have that kind of throws out these obscure wrestling questions. And it, it's not trivia. It's just kind of like, what do you think about this? And, and I, I, I knew I was trying to get you on the podcast, so I kind of put this in the back of my head. But we were mm-hmm. somebody asked, who do you think the best bumping ref is? And again, I, I filed this in the back of my head because I knew I was trying to get you on the podcast. Um, but it, it makes me wonder, like, 
how, how's your bumping? Are you a bumping ref? Me? Um, I will bump, you know, whenever they ask. But uh, I have a different philosophy from some guys when it comes to bumping as a referee. Um, I, I love watching Charles because Charles, Ch- Charles takes an awesome bump. Char- Charles was my choice. Because <laughs> yeah, uh, the one that I remember vividly is when he took that super kick from Sean. I think it was the rumble when Sean got eliminated and 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 Charles took that super kick like a champ. I mean, oh my goodness. I think I know um, which one, yeah. Yeah, but for me, my, my philosophy for ref bumps is, okay, if I get hit with a tackle or a clothesline or whatever the heck it is, uh, if I flat back or take a bump that looks like a wrestling bump, then it looks like I'm a trained individual taking a just taking a bump Mm -hmm. the referee is not supposed to be a trained wrestler which some are but that's not the point um it's supposed to look a little bit unorthodox it's supposed to look a little bit awkward it's supposed to not look like just another bump in the ring so the challenge is in my opinion to make it look authentic without making it look like a wrestling bump if you know what i mean yes Oh, no, so I'm, that, I'm totally there. <laughs> yeah, so that was always my challenge whenever I was called upon to take a bump was to not make it, uh, do not make it a wrestling bump. And I'm doing the air quotes that you can't see right now, you know. Yeah, I, I just wanted it to look look real. I wanted people to say, ooh, that looked like it hurt. And a lot of times it did because you're trying to make it look not wrestling, but, you know, it, you, at the same time, you're not killing yourself. You're just, you know, trying to make it look good. That, that's my theory when it comes to ref bumps. I mean, others may think differently. A um, uh, good friend of mine, Brian Hebner, takes a hell of a bump, too. He, he, I've seen him so many times do that, where, you know, where somebody ducks, he gets hit with a cold and a flip bump. Yes. Uh, looks great, but at the same time, for me, I think that's maybe a little too much. You know? Yeah, it it does kind of look, because uh, I, I, I used to have a, a, a feature on the podcast, and it was called Don't Be Smart, and it was kind of trying to explain away things that people, like, pick on with wrestling, mm-hmm. like whether they see the guys talking to each other or stomping their foot. And one of the things was, you know, oh, well, these guys all know how to fall. Now, me, that one was kind of easy, because I come from a judo background, and or a martial arts background in general, and you're taught how to take the impact. And judo and jiu-jitsu and things like that, they're legitimate sports. And you're being taught how to spread out that impact. And that's how I kind of explained or I, I in this feature was, yes, it's a combat sport, and part of combat sports is to learn how to do that. And I'm right, as I said, I'm right there with you with the referees because the referees – they should not be expected to to have this knowledge. Like they, how many referees are like, well, I'm going to go, you know, officiate these things just in case I get in. Like I should learn how to spread out my weight. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I'm I'm right there with you as far as like you know if they're taking a quote unquote wrestling bump. Yeah, no, I hear you. Oh, I didn't know you had the judo uh, judo background. You should try and get up. Uh... Yeah, maybe I'll talk to uh, 
the former Santino Morella, Anthony Corelli, he's a huge judo guy. He actually was in Montreal this past weekend uh, uh, calling the, um, the the Grand Prix there. Oh, was he? Doing, do, doing, uh, doing the color commentary uh, analyst stuff. And, uh, yeah, he, he, he loves his stuff. So, yeah, uh, going to have to buzz in for you. Well, and actually, I've, uh, I've run into Santino, and I didn't know that he was – like, I knew he was a martial arts guy. I didn't know if he was uh, uh, so much into judo. Oh, yeah, huge. Now, I, I should say my judo, quote-unquote, career, and now I'm doing the air quotes, um, <laughs> was I've, I've always been the biggest guy. And how my judo career kind of, like, my mother put me into my age group, which was eight or nine or ten years old. So I'm the biggest. And I was kind of at, like, the top end of it. So I was able just to kind of, you know, just dominate because I was the biggest. Then I bumped sure. up. Now I'm kind of the, the not the smallest, but I'm you know now I'm, I'm people my size and bigger, and I started to hate it because well now I'm not now I have to actually learn, but right. then I'd learn and as time goes on I become one of the biggest, and then I bump up, and then I'm like, well I'm not having fun anymore because I'm not the biggest and then <laughs> you know, but it was it was a progression. I I did it till I was about sixteen seventeen, okay somewhere in there. And it was just, yeah. and eventually it just got to the point where it's just like, well, I just go to judo every Saturday. <laughs> right. So, but, um, but no, I would love to talk judo with, uh, with Santino. Um, now get, getting back to the bump, uh, did you ever take any severe bumps? Um, you know, I, nothing, nothing like huge, like a, you know, a big boot here, a clothesline, a tackle there, um getting knocked out of the ring you know it's it's funny um one of one of the simplest bumps was one of the ones i got hurt on the most was uh this was many years ago and it was uh, working with nash kevin nash had a match with the late uh, british bulldog and part of the match was uh you know kevin gets disqualified and gets upset about it so basically all he does is he, you know he hooks me under the arms and he deals me across the ring and you know it, that's basically what it is. It's it's like you take a bill. Yeah. And me in my idiotic young brain thought, oh, I'm going to help by jumping. Like, like Kevin Nash needed that help. I was like, what, a buck seventy five at the time, maybe, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. So I'm like, all right. So I, I thought I'd help, and actually ended up getting launched and landed on my shoulder and separated my shoulder and. Believe it or not, went back to the locker room and Savio Vega was there and said, you okay? I said, I think I separated my shoulder. He said, sit down. And then he popped it back in. And that was it. And I'm like, cool. Then the next night, the same thing. (laughs) This time I didn't help, but still it popped. But anyways, because I guess anyways, it was there. But to be honest with you, that's probably the worst other than, um, ooh, um, one time there was a backstage... uh, brawl that i was scheduled to go in and attempt to break up between the uh legion of doom and briscoe and patterson the stooges okay (laughs) so basically what it was was uh they're at the coffee table and the led comes in and starts beating the crap out of them i'm supposed to run in and as i run in animal was going to grab me and throw me into you know those big five liter uh water jugs that they put in the uh, the, the water dispensing cooler things. Yep. You know, the, the big plastic things. There's a whole bunch 
what I mean? And, and it, they said, it, it's not, you know, he, he'll just throw you into him and makes a lot of noise. It sounds impressive. Yes. Right? Cool. Yeah, whatever. And then just as we're about to shoot the scene, a pre-tape, um, Animal turns to me. Joe says, uh, I don't know about that. He says, how do you feel about taking a clothesline? And me, like, I'm not going to, yeah, whatever you want, you know. And then, so I go back and I'm waiting for my cue to run in. And as I'm thinking, I go, oh, great. He's going to clothesline me. If I land on my, you know, go back, it's concrete. Going to hit my elbows, probably split them wide open. Uh, what do I, okay, I'll just spin to my stomach and take, you know, put my hands down and stuff like that. Yeah. So as I run in, I get my cue, I'm running in. He hits me with the clothes on. I spin to my stomach. My hands slide out and the side of my face, and you can hear it. I'm going to do the sound. And you can hear it as I hit the ground. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm laying there, face down, and all I'm thinking is to myself is, I hope I'm not bleeding. I hope I'm not bleeding. I hope I'm not bleeding. And as I'm saying that, I could see the pool starting to form under my head, but I don't want to move because I don't want to kill the shot, right? Yeah. <laughs> so all of a sudden, the director yells, cut, and they run over, and they say, are you okay? I said, yeah, I'm sorry about the blood and all that, blah, blah, blah. No, are you okay? I said, yeah, I'm fine. And just then, uh, Mike Kyoto was running up with a towel to wipe it up, and they go, no, no, don't wipe it up. We're going we're gonna to shoot it, and like we come back from break, and this is the carnage and stuff like that. So there's me laying there with half my face and... <laughs> You know, I left a hell of a puddle, and then right after that, I'm on the phone to to call my wife and let her know I'm fine. What you're going to see tonight, I'm fine. And she's thinking, oh, wait, it's two weeks till our wedding, and you're going to have this big black eye. And stuff. <laughs> Anyways, worked out okay, though. But, uh, yeah, um, stuff like that, you know, but, but nothing nothing drastic. Like, I know uh, recently one of the NXT refs, Tom Castor, actually broke his ankle or, or, or it, it was horrible. I saw the picture online where it was like a 90-degree angle. Yeah. Nothing like that. So I've been, knock on wood, thankful that I've been lucky in that regard. Now, you, you, you kind of mentioned earlier about how um, referees are not trained wrestlers, at, and you kind of uh, corrected it a little bit, because there are a lot of wrestlers uh, that are getting into refereeing. At least I notice. Is Is this... Is this kind of a trend that's kind of taking over? Is it they're bringing in, you know, wrestlers to be referees? Um, it seems to be, especially in the NXT brand, because uh, looking down there, you see Drake Wirtz, who is a um, who is a wrestler um, from our territory up here, Hornet. Yeah, Hornet. I, I see Hornet all the time. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, um, the, I get. See, Triple H has a different mindset and i believe i don't want to speak for him and get this wrong but i believe his mindset is uh, it helps um with your uh refereeing to know exactly what wrestlers are doing so if you're if you train to be a wrestler yourself you're one step up on on how to uh as far as positioning and conditioning as well because uh, uh i think that's his philosophy behind it you know, and, uh, you know, uh, those guys are doing a good job. I'm telling you, uh, you know, like I watch, uh, you know, uh, yeah, I hate to say it, but I, yeah, I do watch the refs. <laughs> and I'm like, like I, I'm a little more critical of the refs when it, with, with minute little things where I'll say, ah, I wish you would have been like positioned over there instead of over there. And, uh, maybe you shouldn't have reacted so much to that, you know, like, uh, I, I do I do critique the refs, but at the same time, 
having done it for so long, I understand uh, how difficult. It's not as easy as people think. Oh, your job is just to go in there and count three. Uh, no, it's not. No. Much more involved. Um, I've, I've had the opportunity a couple times to to speak with Al Snow, and of course, Al has um, has the Al Snow training facility, and he emphasizes that everyone that comes in like you don't have to participate in every aspect but even if or if you're a wrestler there is a segment where you have to get in there and you have to be a referee you have to you know positioning and you have to learn because he wants everybody to appreciate you know i need the referee i need the ring announcer i need all these people to we all need to work together and he emphasizes, like, oh, yeah, you, you have to get in there and you have to learn to be a ref and your positioning and, you know, communication and everything like that. And that's something I've always thought for years that, you know, training schools should have a segment, even at the very least. Like if even if you're John Cena and you have to be a special guest referee, there are still aspects that John Cena still needs to know to kind of make it even that much better, in my opinion. No, I, I totally agree, and if I'm not mistaken, I think even with, uh, with the um, the uh, the talent that signed into NXT, I think what they do um, at one point, <clears throat> excuse me, is, is they do have the actual wrestlers go in there and, and referee a match or two just to get a feel, to get an understanding uh, of of you know ring awareness and ring positioning. You know, that's that, that's huge, and. I, uh, I, I'm a big fan of Al Snow's uh, knowledge. I, I think, uh, you know, I, I, you know, you talk about, okay, WWE has a has a whole, you know, stack of guys there that could that uh, the talent can learn from. Um, I'm surprised that somebody like an AEW has not picked this guy up to help um, help with the young talent. I mean, uh, I know I know some people say that. You know, they want to go in a different direction with younger guys and stuff like that. But man, Al just is just so good. I'm I'm surprised he's not there, or or if he is, I'm not aware of it. It could be, you know. Um, I I I, well, I I actually know this from speaking with him that he has a, I don't know the extent of it, but a partnership with TNA for being their feeder, or being their kind of minor league. So. Oh, okay. Oh, that's right. Uh, OBW now is kind of like working with Impact a little bit. Yes. Well, yeah. See, they're, they're not like the train, or they're not like the the uh, the performance center for Impact. But yeah, they have that. They have some form of partnership like that. A working relationship, right? Yes. Okay. Well, that's good. Uh, well, at, at least somebody's benefiting from his knowledge. You know what I mean? Because. Yes. Uh, you know, if anybody gets a chance to even speak to him for like five minutes, you're going to learn something. And that's what a lot of people have told me since I spoke to to Al, and I, I tell people, oh yeah, you know, I'm speaking to Al Snow, and they're like, oh, you know, that they, uh, and I noticed this myself. I went onto YouTube, and there's some um, from uh, from Hannibal's. Um, uh, I guess Hannibal had a uh, had like a training session with Al Snow, and the hits on that are just absolutely huge. And it's Al, like you know, and he's teaching and he's lecturing and. And things like that, and the hits are just absolutely huge. And mm-hmm. I talk to a lot of people that are just, oh yeah, have, have you seen his? Uh, have you seen his uh, seminar video? 
uh, you know, he's talking about this or the seminar video where he's talking about that. And yeah, I'm, I'm again, I'm right there with you. It was, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's definitely a good guy to sit under the learning tree with. Absolutely. Totally agree. A hundred percent, 110. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you one more question. And this is one that uh, people ask me all the time, all the time, all the time. And I'm, I'm more or less asking which you rather, because I'm sure you've been in both boats. People always ask me, are the referees completely, you know, are they, I don't want to say in on it, but from beginning to end, or do they just go out there and referee what's in front of them? Um, it, I, sometimes it depends. Like, like for me, for example, um, if it's a live event or house shows, as we used to call them, um, I don't need to know all the particulars because that, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot more improvisation, for lack of a better term, on those shows where guys are a little more free and liberal and do you know, uh, you know, have a little more fun. Uh, TV and especially pay-per-views, big pay-per-views, there's so much more structured where, you know. Uh, they talk over their match and here's what we're going to do and here's what we're going to do and this and then we'll do this and you know it's it's not like the old days where you're, oh we're going to figure out if this works cool if it doesn't work we'll figure something else out it's pretty much nowadays structured so what I'd like to do is when the guys are going over their match I would even ask them I said when are you guys going over your match uh, oh yeah we're gonna, right after right after lunch we're going to go go over our match uh, okay let me know where you guys are going to be I'd like to just sit there and listen to you guys talk. So I would be, the, I try to be like that fly on the wall and just listen and let them go over their stuff. And um, after a while, after listening to them, you know, sometimes the guys would ask, what do you think, uh, would this, does this compromise you in any way and stuff like that? And I would, you know, give my feedback or sometimes I would offer a suggestion here and there. And, and sometimes they would use it, sometimes they wouldn't. But I would, especially TV and, and pay-per-view, I like to listen to, then go over the entire match and know what to expect and then, you know, go from there. Now, are you imagining, like, while they're talking about this, are you, like, are you vision, yeah, are you visualizing the match and visualizing where you are at all, at all times? Um, pretty much because, you know, especially on TV, because positioning for a referee on television and pay-per-views is so important. As we say, work the horseshoe because you, TVs and pay-per-views, you have that hard camera side. And, you try to, as much as possible, not block the view from that camera. And then again, you have to be cognizant of the handheld cameras at ringside because now, you know, there's so many more cameras now than there used to be. Uh, and I know there's some guys that would say, well, screw the camera, guys. They have to work around me. Um, no, guys, you guys got to work together. So, like, is it so hard to, like, shift over just the, like a half foot just so that somebody can get a good shot of the guys that they're supposed to get a shot of. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, you know, I get it. The referee has to do his job and, and make it look like he's not altering any movement, but at the same time, you, you can work around the cameras. Well, especially you know? since a lot of those, even those handheld cameras are still tethered in some way, like you're still hooked up to a cable or... You know, when you're a referee, there's nothing tying you down. Yeah, yeah, it's not like you're holding a cell phone up there and <laughs> shooting it, you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. 
Yeah, it's a, it's a little bit more involved, and it's harder for these guys to move around a little bit with this big ass camera on your shoulder, and and you got the cable attached and the cable puller pulling it in and out and all that stuff. All right, Jimmy, I want to thank you very much for joining me, and uh, I, I really, really, really appreciate uh, you and I kind of bounced back and forth uh, trying to get this arranged. I want to I want to thank you for uh, for taking some time to come on here. No, it was my pleasure. Thank you for asking. It's it's nice to be remembered somehow. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> All right. Thank you very much, and uh, you take care of yourself, sir. So that was my interview with Jimmy Corderas. I hope everybody enjoyed it as much as I did. Uh, as I said before, him and I, we weren't friends before the interview. Uh, I don't know if we're friends now, but we sure as hell know each other a hell of a lot better than we did before. And that's one of the things I love about this podcast. I love uh, I love getting to know these guys. Um, it, it's kind of like the next step. Like when I first got into wrestling, I was amazed that I got to interact first off with uh, just, you know, I, I don't want to, I'm not trying to insult them, but like low level independent wrestlers, the local guys that were just, they were trying to get to that next step. And a lot of them did. A lot of them did start traveling. And a lot of them did uh, some good things. But after that, I got to interact with, uh, with, with names, quote-unquote names. And, you know, I did that for many, many years. I was, I've been lucky enough to be involved with wrestling and lucky enough to meet a lot of, quote-unquote, names. And now I'm in a position with the podcast that I can reach out to these names and say, hey, you want to chat? And, uh, you know, sometimes they, they don't know who the hell I am. They don't know me from Adam. But what the hell, let's do a podcast. Uh, some of them have admitted to me later that they didn't say yes until they checked out the website or they checked out, uh, they, they found me on social media and, you know, found my Facebook page and like, okay, this guy seems legit. Um, then there's guys like Jimmy Corderas and Dasher Hatfield who I've met once or twice. And I mentioned that when I get a hold of them, like, Hey, you and I, we've crossed paths a few times. And they're like, okay, well, you know, this, uh, I kind of remember this guy, you know, it sounds legit. And then there's ones that have actually heard of the podcast and are more than happy to hop on. And, uh, there, there are, there's also a few, I want to throw this in there. There are a few that, that they're just media whores and they just, they want to, they just want to get onto a podcast. They don't care. They just want to talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. Um, in no way am I saying Al Snow. In no way. I know I always, when I say Al Snow, I say he talks and talks and talks because he does. And everybody knows that. Everybody says that. Everybody knows that. But in no way am I saying that Al Snow is a media whore and just wants to talk, 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 talk. Um, but yeah, Jimmy Corderas, uh, it was great having him on the show. And uh, you can follow us again at www.timetofight.ca. You can go over there and check out all the past episodes of It's Time to Fight. You can follow me personally on Twitter at Announcer Terry. You can follow the show on Twitter at Time to Fight Pod. Uh, again, if you're listening to this on August 9th, 2019, tonight we are going to be watching and live tweeting Ring of Honor's Summer Showdown. It's uh, it's in Toronto. Uh, I, I wish I could have gotten out there. Circumstances just didn't allow it. Um, but it just it just means that uh, we get to sit and live tweet together tonight, August 9th, 2019. Uh, join us on Twitter at Time to Fight Pod. Thanks again for hitting that play button. And don't worry about it. I'll hit the, the stop button for all of us. 
And like I say every single week, Isaac, I love you, buddy.